I'm Kenzie. And I'm Terry. And we are back per usual after a couple months, but you know, we're back and we're here and yeah. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. We're just uh, enjoying kind of post-holiday. Oh, mm -hmm. just getting things done. Uh, you know, there's always some new things we're working on around the house on 2022 and all of that. So uh, yeah, just kind of post-holiday. Yeah, you got any exciting resolutions? <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> to enjoy every day, be happy, healthy. I think pull yeah. that off. That's pretty good. Kind of the mood of the world at the moment. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, what have you um, been listening to? Been listening to. Uh, let's see. I uh, since our last podcast, gosh, I have listened to uh, some. Uh, got into a guy named Steve Winwood, who is really big. Uh, in the 80s, especially on a solo career, he had he was with some bands in the 60s and 70s. So, you know, I did uh, made my own playlist of Steve Winwood, and I'm looking on my phone actually right now to just remind myself. And uh, also, let's see, I did a actually some Christmas tunes. <laughs> I made Good. a lot of contemporary Christmas tunes, so I had that going for quite a while. I kind of decided it was going to go into the Christmas spirit and dive in with some new stuff um oh yeah and the war on drugs their new album oh is that good yeah it's really good you know i always their songs i there's songs i really really like and then there's a few of them that i don't know i always feel like they're kind of slower and eh, you know take them or leave them mm -hmm. uh they have some songs that are just a few of them are their best i think ever and so What's yeah so i made a, a war on drugs you know playlist as well so i did that mm -hmm. You know, the other stuff I've been listening to, Toad and Sticks and all that stuff, you know, some of their new stuff. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, you know, I even dove into some smooth jazz from, you know, from yesteryear um, on just a playlist I found online and been doing that, you know, some of the heavy hitters on that. And I don't know, that's just more like making dinner or something like that. Yeah, easy listening. Having that and we're painting or doing some work around the house. That yeah. So yeah, I've been listening to that. Um, let's see. Yeah, Steve Perry had a Christmas album. <laughs> so I listened to- <laughs> Was that Steve. good? Yeah, yeah. You know, his voice has aged a bit, but uh, yeah, that fits him really well. It's, what is he, 72, I think now or something like that. I, I believe I didn't it. know he was that old, but um, I didn't know I was this old either <laughs> it's okay yeah it's okay it's all right he doesn't age yeah so um yeah i guess that's what i've been listening to i'm um, trying to think if there's anything else how about you well as i was looking through my music to be like what have i been listening to i realized that i haven't really been listening to anything new in a long time and i think it's just because most of the day when I'm working, I just try to like clear through some podcasts, like if I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, on the phone or whatever it is. Um, so I listen to a lot of random podcasts. And so I haven't really updated my music in a while, but um, one thing per usual, Taylor Swift put out an album like a, probably like a, two months ago, maybe. Um, of course, it's like one of the re-recording albums that she does. But like, this was one of the ones that I listened to in high school. It was like so nostalgic, like so good. And so I listened to that one all the time. Um, so lots of Taylor Swift and then kind of just been listening to a lot of like, oh, how do you explain it? There's different levels of like, I don't know, I think it's called like house music, um, but kind of like electronic type stuff. But I like the. I think it's called tropical house. I hate, <laughs> there's so many words for all these types of like electronic music and stuff, but um, bands like Griffin or Kygo or anything like that, where it's kind of just easy listening. And there's also like words in it and stuff. So it's not just sounds, but those ones are actually pretty nice to listen to too. So I actually didn't do a great deal of Christmas music listening this year. Um, kind of slacked on that one, but yeah, I would say I've kind of dropped the ball on my music recently. Yeah. Well, they got other things going, but exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it was kind of fun with the Christmas music. I had built something last year, so I, I ditched some of it that 
didn't go well for last year, but uh, found some new stuff and uh, it was good. And then, yeah, like I said, did some smooth jazz. I found smooth jazz Christmas music when I didn't want to have to deal with words. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of just a good change. Yeah. So, yeah. Dial it up again next year. That was a success. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, good. Um, Well, just as a reminder, I guess we've got Leon Bridges and the Beach Boys. So kind of they don't match at all. I was trying to find some common thread, but per usual, they don't really match much at all. So I guess we could start by you telling us about Leon Bridges. I'd love to. (laughs) Great. (laughs) take it away. Yeah. First of all, yeah, I really enjoyed this assignment. This was good. And, you know, it's taken us a while to get this podcast going. So I, you know, it was, I don't know, a month ago or whenever that was that I I dove right in and then uh, took a break from that. We didn't get around to things and then got back into it recently and, you know, really went through his music catalog and um, more, you know, the more you listen to, the more you learn and kind of see where he's going. So, yeah. So he's a Texas guy from Fort Worth and he, um, growing up, he eventually, he was working at Del Frisco's grill in Fort Worth, uh, you know, kind of a bar and grill type place. And they did some live music there apparently. And so he was a dishwasher and then he would sing and uh, play some guitar. He learned to play the guitar after he actually had I think he took ballet lessons originally, and then that he was looking for something else to do besides that. And so he took up the guitar. And so, so he was singing and playing guitar during open mics in front of like five to 20 people or whatever. We're in the bar and grill, you know, just whenever he could, Uh, probably went either on, I don't know if it's during a break or when his shift was over or how that worked. But so anyway, that's where he kind of got noticed and eventually uh, and well I should backtrack here too and he really has this uh, passion for 50s and 60s R&B soul music it's the classics and so uh, he was uh, uh, he had actually recorded a song called coming home and that was long before he actually the recorded version that people hear today and so he had been singing that and I think he, I don't know if he had recorded it then or not. It attract, no, he hadn't. But he attracted a guitarist uh, named Austin Jenkins and a guy, Joshua Black, of uh, a band and uh, called, I saw him called Psych Rock. I don't know what that is. Um, but they're called White Denim is the name of the group, those guys. And I don't know if they're still together or not or what's going on with them. But anyway, so he actually did a, recorded that song with them. They were kind of like, wow, this guy's good. Let's record a song. And so he did that. And eventually things kind of progressed where they recorded a local album. You know, it wasn't a national type thing. It was kind of regional from a small company down there. And then that's where he got noticed on Columbia Records. And so he uh, has... Uh, you know, passion for 50s and 60s R&B music. And, you know, like um, may have, you may have heard the names, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, or Marvin Gaye, Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. Those were just the, the rock, you know, the heavy hitters of the time and just the classics. And so he has a real passion for that. And so his first album, to be honest, it sounds like it could have been recorded in the 1960s, although you feel a little bit more of a polished effect of it um of the recording but it really sounds like it could have fit in with those classics in the time and so he um played a lot of a lot of tribute to that it reminded me sort of in a modern day sense of fits in the tantrums whose first album really has that sound it sounds kind of nostalgic retro of that era too in a different type of genre but they kind of went that route too. They also abandoned it in their <laughs> subsequent albums, which I thought was a mistake for them. Not that they can, didn't, they should have, you know, progressed with their music and changed, but it's kind of like they just, that was successful and they dropped it and kind of went uh, top 40 or something like that, which I thought was sad. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so Leon's a little different than that though. And so anyway, he recorded this album. It had the song 
called Coming Home, which is a real big hit. In fact, it was featured in an iPhone 6 commercial even at the time. I don't remember that, but it seems like a probably saw it. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, I would say that anybody who grew up and listened to classic R&B during that time or do would love this album if you haven't ever connected with it already. Uh, That would be just right in your wheelhouse. Like I said, Echoes, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, Marvin Gaye, Nat King Cole, in just varying amounts. So he had educated himself on the music of this era, uh, both from his mom, who kind of got him into that. And then, you know, obviously, in his, he, it wasn't working out for him just to go to the, the record store and listen to records in the same way that a lot of maybe people from my era had grown up. So. Uh, he got it all from streaming music and went back and listened, which is actually probably more effective because you have access to so much. And so anyway, he actually went back and that's really what he was into and really listened and learned from that. And his mom, like I said, had a real big influence on his liking of R and B and actually has a song in his first album called Lisa Sawyer. And it's about her. And apparently it's part of it at least is about her conversion to Christianity. I listened to it. I didn't examine the lyrics or anything. So I, 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 would, I don't know if I would have picked that up listening first time through that. But if yeah, I guess if I listen more, maybe I would. <laughs> but so, yeah. So anyway, uh, first album, good success. And it says it's very retro yet new. It's not like, oh, wow, that's you just copied all those people. Mm-hmm. So he, he had uh, an NPR review actually said it was retro but immediate relevant and profound okay big words they are yeah (laughs) and so uh, other favorites of mine on this album he has a song called smooth sailing Mm -hmm. and river is another one which those were all like one of his most popular ones i think yeah okay in fact i saw him on npr tiny desk he was, he has a concert there. Oh, did he do one? Mm-hmm. It was a while back, maybe oh, 2018 cool. or 19. And he, uh, I think he sang one or both of those. So, oh, cool. Yeah, that was good. It was real good. So first album success I, leads to a second album and it's called Good Thing. And it's not the same as the first. It's, it's different, but he still has the R&B, but you I don't know, after I listened to his third album and some of the other music he put out, you can see that he's trying to find his niche in who he is. And he's a real humble guy from what I can tell. Um, and so he's got an R&B sound, but he expands it. And the LP, the production is a little bit more polished than his debut. You, it's got a more 2020s feel to it, I suppose. Whereas, like I said, the other one, you, you possibly could convince somebody it was recorded in the 60s (laughs) so it includes some more pop dance fused tunes but it's like i said it's fused with r&b so he hasn't strayed away from the the roots of what his passion is but he is infusing some other you know more modern day sounds to it and so it strays away from the debut but not too far which is kind of cool that he He's kind of forging his own sound, but he's keeping that R&B part in there. And so the notable songs for me on that second album, there's one called Beyond, uh, uh-huh. Forgive You. That's a, and that sounds a little bit more, um, uh, I don't know, I'll just say modern. That's not a very good description <laughs> of it, but it would be like. Gosh, you, I don't know. You'd probably be a better judge of who it sounds like, but um, I don't know. Well, I was thinking like if John Legend had a song that was a little upbeat. He does almost, have a very John Legend vibe for sure. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's what it comes to mind. It's very smooth. Uh, yeah. And then one called Bad, Bad News. I like that one. Hmm. So, yeah. So just more success. Um, I know he's went out and toured a bit and then he had an EP, you know, just a, a kind of like a mini album called Texas Sun. That was in 2020. And they had four songs and they're kind of a variety of pa- variety pack there. And um, 
I'd say they're still R&B infused. One has kind of, actually, I think it's the title track. I think there's a Texas Sun. It has a country guitar sound to it hmm. in, embedded in that. So it's kind of where those meet. Yeah. And I'd just say the other song, all the songs aren't really stuck in a single style. So I don't know. That might have been just uh, during a pandemic lockdown. I got four ideas. I'd like to get them out right now yeah. <laughs> know where things are going type thing. And so, yeah, anyway, no, there's some good stuff on that. And then got his third album, his most recent album called Gold Digger Sound. And I like that, that came, album a lot. That, yeah, that was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And that came out this year around in the summer, July, I think. So he finds a great balance of R&B and a modern sound, kind of an alternative R&B on this one. And just this is one of those that you could just play the album straight through. And I have all three. You just have it on and it just kind of you just kind of cruise through the whole album, you know, like you would a Pink Floyd album or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, it's just real smooth. There's not. Um, there's one song, one or two songs that are a little bit more upbeat, but they all have their own personality. Uh, even the title track in the middle is a little abrupt in in that kind of when you're cruising through it's a kind of a trumpet solo because he does include uh trumpets kind of a big part of his sound at times and so it kind of i don't know at first i thought it disrupted the flow not so much in a bad way just kind of like whoa what's up and yeah uh, (laughs) but it merges into the next track called details quite well and so it's just one of those things you gotta you know it's uh the skill of album listening yeah <laughs> so appreciate it by I'm itself sure. you know probably wouldn't be real impressed but um it works well throughout the whole album and so the album name actually comes from a place where bridges lived while re- writing and recording the lp at a place called gold digger and so and it was in east hollywood and so it's all about kind of you know embedding himself there and recording and for that whole album and so it's actually nominated for the best r&b album in the upcoming 2022 grammys so it's uh, that's cool uh, yeah pretty cool so there's a notable songs i said you know there's born again it's kind of a cool chill track actually it's a cool chill album but uh, (laughs) don't worry is a little bit more upbeat but still it's got that cool progressive r&b beat to it which i thought is really kind of nice and Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple others uh, motorbike oh i like that one yeah and so motorbike steam and one called magnolias i wouldn't have picked this up the first time but he says it's inspired you know who sade is don't you yeah he, it's inspired by sade's music oh really uh, it's one of those ones i had to go back and i third listen i yeah okay there's a mm-hmm. song um so on that remind me Oh, it kind of has a little echo feedback with a, a female vocalist in there, too. So that kind of sounds like, oh, what was it? Lover's Rock or one of these ones on Sade's later music. I don't know if that was intentional or not. But anyway, he, he tried to model it after her music and That's her cool. songs. So I don't know. Um, but definitely my favorite Bridges LP. There you so go. Far. Yeah. So and I... Um, was watching a few of concerts. It was kind of interesting. I watched the tiny desk. Okay. It, the tiny desk was just bare bones, you know, like a tiny desk would be stripped back. Um, I think it was the first two albums mm. of music. In case okay. I didn't have any of this. Cause you said it was a little while ago, right? Yeah. It's 2018 or it might've been 19. Anyway. Uh, so it was, you know, obviously more uh, acoustic driven than the past. I think the trumpet was there. <laughs> and then I watched a video from his tour this year. Super cool. I saw him on Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, really? Then, yeah, he was on Jimmy Fallon. And then uh, just a few concert ones, a motorbike. And, you know, as interesting is like the stage setup that he had was Oh, it was kind of cool. It was just the instruments, you know, it wasn't this big old thing with just all sorts of stuff all over the place, but it just had like this yellow background kind of 
different yellows and stuff. And it was just this, this glow, kind of cool glow. It felt oh, kind of cool. cool. And it had his band and a couple background singers who were real kind of cool. And uh, they're just playing the instruments. There wasn't anything else on the stage. And that, the Fallon, I think, was similar to that, too. And so it's kind of a cool live presentation. It, it reflected that the newest album, I think real well Well, yeah i was gonna say because i know at least like the album cover of that one is yellow and like that stands out a lot in like my brain when i think about it and yeah i don't know his i feel like if you're like oh he had all these theatrics and stuff like that doesn't match his music so it's kind of nice that like he's not doing like laser beams everywhere to like his slow r&b songs like (laughs) no there weren't and none of that you know and he was I don't know. He's, he's got some obviously dance moves from his ballet days, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, but not, not, not all over. Like, it's not like Michael Jackson or, you know, or somebody out there. Stage. Yeah. Something like that. And so he, uh, uh, anyway, it was pretty cool stage presentation, just the way he did that. But at the, the tiny desk, he's just standing there with a guitar. <laughs> I mean, it's totally different. Yeah. Totally different. So anyway, it's kind of interesting to see how he's kind of growing his music. I'm anxious to see where he goes next. I, you know, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. a real hard edge. I don't know what he's going to do. Who but knows? Yeah. So some fun facts. Uh, his real name's Todd Bridges. Oh. And so that happens to be the name of a famous actor from the nineties. I think when the show eighties, nineties show different strokes. I don't know if you know that. Uh, it was kind of in the um, Full House, Silver Spoons, uh, all those ones that era. were out in that era. Yeah. So it was somewhere in that ballpark. And anyway, there's a guy, one of the actors named Todd Bridges. Well, Leon's dad was a big fan of the show. So I named him Todd. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think as he became more famous, he just didn't want to be like, oh, wow, that guy used to be on different strokes. And now he's a an R&B singer. And so in college, he got nicknamed Leon after an actor named Leon Robinson, who I'm not familiar with. Me neither. And so when he started recording, yeah, he just didn't feel comfortable going out and being Todd Bridges, that that there would be any confusion. Yeah. That was kind of of interesting. His dad named him after a guy on a TV show, but yeah. So yeah, the, I think I mentioned this before was first job major job was dishwashing and doing the open mics. And so that's how you got him started. And he had said he really um, values that time. Uh, and he was the working hard, washing dishes and taught him how to work hard and also be content with what you have. And that included just if I'm singing in front of five or 20 people, that's okay. And uh, he also likes mid 20th century fashion. So the uh, you know, 1950s. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of a thing. And he, like I said, he took ballet classes before learning how to play the guitar. So, yeah. So yeah, doesn't I mean, he hasn't been around that long in the music industry, but uh, I I really enjoyed it. I would say this is uh, easily in my top five of what you've given me. Wow, is Cage yeah. the Elephant still number one? Yeah, let's see. If or I, Keith Urban. Keith Urban, Cage the Elephant. Um, there was one other. I can't remember that really stands out. But yeah. Yeah, this is right up there. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, with him, um, did you ever come by? He did a duet with Luke Combs. I saw that. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I saw you it should on listen. YouTube. Yeah. Them singing his song Beyond. Mm-hmm. is so good because you wouldn't suspect I mean maybe not like you could suspect it but like him with like a very country country artist like you wouldn't think that their voices would like mm-hmm. mesh as well as they did but like they sing multiple of each other's it's almost like a crossroads type oh, episode okay. I don't think it is crossroads but it's it is very much like that they sing each other's songs but them singing beyond is like so good oh that's cool yeah, yeah so I, I saw it pop that. up and i didn't listen to that i was going to actually mention that to you so i'm glad yeah. you did i would have forgot. no i would recommend that one because that's actually 
I think that's kind of what sparked me getting into Leon Bridges because I had heard of him and I listened to his episode on armchair expert, but I've forgotten so much about it. So I'm actually like glad to have this, um, hear about it a little bit more, but if you need any more insight, it's actually, he talks a lot about like his upbringing and like how he got started and everything on that episode, like pre fame. Um, and so, but anyways, I was just looking up Luke Combs one day and then I saw that they had that song together and I was kind of like, Oh yeah. And then there you go. Kind of sparked it. And now here you are listening to him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm better for it. There you go. Well, why don't you tell us about the beach boys? Yes, yes, yes. I was going to, um, preface that too. Um, you know, at first I, after I gave that to you, Uh I should have given you that during the summer or something, (laughs) you know? And I thought, Hey, that was a bad call. But then I thought, you know, it's not a bad idea. You know, dead of winter and it's cold and snowy and rainy and you know, bring a little exactly. sun to the winter. So I redeemed myself uh, with that and gave myself a pat on the back rather than, you know, feeling bad about it. <laughs> no, that's okay. Cause actually it was kind of nice to, um, to listen to them and everything. And so it was interesting doing the research because I forgot how long they've been around. And there was like so much information through like the sixties to the eighties. And I got a little overwhelmed. I'll be honest, because I was trying to find like the most, like the most important things and like everything seemed important. Cause it's, you know, when you're learning about someone's like beginning stages, like it all seems pretty foundational. And so I kind of toyed with how I was going to go about this because, you know, I've read the very detailed ones, but I've also read the kind of bullet points And then it's like some of its family history, some of it's not. So I'm going to do a mixture of the two, but it, mine kind of has a common theme anyways. Um, that's just how I kind of got to some of this information. So I think that there's probably a lot more that I could learn or like speak about, but we probably don't have the time for that, (laughs) but I found this, I mean, I've always known of the beach boys and I mean, I've found them, not found them, but (laughs) I listened to them first on full house and they're always a part of full house and like randomly singing with uncle Jesse. And there's like an episode with, do you know what I'm talking about? When they had like the, almost the Gilligan's Island episode and they somehow end up at like a halftime show on. Yeah. I remember you watching that. Yeah. Yeah. It's super random. Yeah. And so I'll kind of get into that a little bit later too, but, um, but that's where I first saw them. I feel like their songs are always of course iconic. And so they are technically an American rock band that formed in Hawthorne, California in 1961. So they are California band. They're not trying to be posers of the surfer, like not community, but that culture, but they're in that California culture. And so the group's original lineup was pretty much family. So it was brothers, they're Brian, Dennis, and Carl Wilson. It's their last name. And then their cousin, Mike Love, and their friend, Al Jardine, was in the band. So it was like pretty much all family and then their like neighbor. <laughs> and so, um, so they began as a garage band and their dad, um, Murray Wilson, managed their band. And so still a very family oriented thing. And it was kind of interesting because there wasn't a huge, like, I guess they were all just kind of musical of some sort, but pretty much they got started by just trying out different music and like vocals within the family and almost just like a little harmony vocal group. (laughs) And so then Brian would have his family, like learn different parts of the songs and instruments and then perform them with like some of the neighbor kids. And so Dennis was the only like avid surfer of the group. And so he was like, I want songs that represent like the lifestyle and the culture of Southern California. And then they recorded a song called Surfing, and it was professionally released on September 15th, 1961. So that's, I mean, they got their start in 1961 and it all kind of started from there. And so they were going to name the band surfers, 
but I guess that was like already taken by someone. So their manager, pretty much when they went to go do their first show, I think it was at like a high school or something like that, but (laughs) they went to go do their first show and the manager, which I guess I think was their dad at the time. Um, they, uh, changed it to the beach boys. So it was kind of a shock or not shock to them. I don't think anyone had anything against it, but it wasn't like they took a long time to think and come up with this beach boys name. Um, but they did get signed onto Capitol records, which isn't that what Leon was in? Yeah. Um, or Columbia. Yeah. Oh, Columbia. Okay. So yeah, they, um, started, I think, I don't really remember what year, but they got signed on to Capitol records once they had their second single and it was surfing safari. Um, so they really <laughs> pushed that surfing name. Um, and so then it was kind of just like they were marketed as surf music. Um, some people thought that they were posers and people would like throw things at them on stage, but they kind of started performing and people saw them as like teenage gold. Cause they were still pretty young at the time. And so, um, then they had, I think a new manager. I don't, I think Murray was not the lead guy in charge anymore now that they were with capital. And so that was all within 1962. Um, and in 1963, then the beach boys recorded surfing USA. So I found it interesting that it was like surfing, surfing safari, <laughs> and then surfing USA. And I was like, were people like overkill, you know, like, I don't know, but it, they did well. And that was kind of the beginning of their long run of like really highly successful out al- or, um, albums. And it really got people going on the craze of like teenagers and the California life and like the surf music. And so that's when it all started to go. And then also in 1963, their little St. Nick song came out for Christmas. Oh yeah. Um, and that one still is such a classic to this day. So I thought that that was one that really stood the test of time. Have you ever heard of transistor radios? Yes. Like little radios you'd have a, you know, you take them to the beach, click it on and listen. Uh, to okay. Is that radio. what it is? I know I'd heard of it. Yeah. They are, uh, um, you know, the kind of the big thing. I remember having one, I could listen to AM radio and it would pick up and you could put it up to your ear and they were kind of in the transistor radio age where that was big, like take it to the beach. Oh, listen so then it was radio. like, listen to beach songs on the beach. Yeah. And so, that, oh. and uh, yeah, so that, that was all part of that tied into that era too. So, um, Well, yeah, no, I think that that actually makes a really good point because a lot of people were invested in that and like kind of trying to be a part of that culture. So I think that that's huge. And so it was very interesting in 1964, then they had the competition with the Beatles not an actual competition, but like the Beatles came to, um, the scene and also they shared the same record label. So it was kind of interesting because these two boy bands, um, but their song, I get around showed that they could like compete. So I guess that was kind of a pivotal moment for them. Um, but basically kind of going back a little bit, that was just like some foundational information for the first couple years. Um, but let's see here. So then the family dynamics, this is kind of interesting. I found that like their dad kind of engaged in a lot of different type of like physical, verbal, and psychological abuse. Didn't seem like it was a super happy, healthy home all the time. Um, and so he was obviously initially the band's manager, but he put a lot of pressure on them. And so Brian, which is kind of a big part of my research. Brian said he scared me so much. I actually like got scared into making good records. So I think that even though it was working for them, there was a lot of pressure. And, um, once I guess in 1964, which is kind of that Beatles era, um, Brian got so frustrated with him that he fired their dad in 1964. Oh wow! And he was like, yeah, he's like the rubber band has stretched as far as it could go. And so I think Brian, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think he was one of, there was like two guys who were kind of the lead ones, but for different reasons. And I can't remember if Brian was the singer or which one he was, but it sounds like he was making a lot of decisions. And so 
Brian wanted to like stretch his musical abilities with the album Pet Sounds and love um, their cousin thought that the Beach Boys would stick to songs that kind of matched what they've done in the past. But Pet Sounds is actually huge for them. Um, It was primarily actually one of the like influences for the Beatles for their um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. And um, oh, Paul McCartney, that's Beatles, right? I'm Mm -hmm. blinking. Okay. Yeah. Paul McCartney said that that was like their influence. Like he admitted that one. And so it's kind of interesting that maybe it wasn't a big like competition between the two of them as like, I'm making it seem, but like, it's just interesting that they would admit that it was kind of inspiration and stuff. But I think that that's cool too. Was, Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember is was good vibrations on pet sounds i wonder is that yes so it was their number one single um that came from that one and uh it was their third number one single and it was like top 100 billboards and everything and so it kind of created them more than just a surf band it was like an innovative rock rock group and so they got to you know even though their cousin love was not super on board with like changing their sound at all like they it seemed to kind of give them a little more of a prestigious outlook from the community so um let's see here so dennis one of the brothers um he kind of lived like a very interesting life a very fast life as they would say so he actually like provided a home to charles manson um, at one point before he started um, murdering everyone. And um, so then, oh, wait, actually, I don't, Charles Manson, maybe I'm getting my facts wrong. I don't know if Manson was the one who was doing the murders. Was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just didn't want to. <laughs> I knew there was a link there. I know, I know um, Mike Love, I saw him talk about that and oh, really? met him, didn't know anything about him at all. And there's okay. more after the fact, uh, kind of like, oh my gosh. Then they're like, oh my God, that was the guy that was living in your house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I just didn't want him to be the one who was getting murdered. Um, but the, yeah, this was um, before the series of murders in 1969. And so he like provided a home to Charles and like even some of his followers and the people who are in the Manson family. And so, um, and even like worked on a song with Manson at one point. And so then in 1979, like 10 years kind of after the murders happened, um, the Beach Boys pretty much told Dennis to leave the group because his like drinking and his fast life was just a lot for them. Um, So they were like, you need to either address your alcoholism or you can't be with us anymore. And uh, Dennis also entered his fifth marriage that year. Um, And then in 1983, Dennis kind of went through a little bit of a dip. Um, so, I mean, he was already not doing too super well. And then he went to a rehab facility, which, you know, they had pretty high hopes for, but then it got kind of sad and he left after a few days. And then on December 28th, he was at a Marina where he kept his boat. Um, but I don't think he was there anymore. And he decided to dive into the really cold water to search for possessions that he had tossed out of his boat like years ago and pretty much just never resurfaced. And his body was found. I'm glad though, like his body was found like an hour later. It wasn't one of those, like they never found it type situations, but nonetheless, very sad. Um, And so he was only 39 years old. So I think the theme that I'm kind of going with now after with my research is that more focusing on like the family rather than like the music, but Mm -hmm. it's just was very interesting because they all had like such crazy struggles. And, um, Brian kind of after that started, he he took LSD and then got kind of a bipolar, like schizo affective disorder. So he started hearing voices and started to behave kind of crazy and pretty much in ni- by 1976, he was like barely functioning. And so his wife had him go to the psychologist called or named Eugene Landy. And this was really interesting because he kind of, he was with Brian, you know, trying to like heal him and all that. 
But at the same time, he was trying to give like managerial input to the band and like kind of trying to put his two cents in. And he wanted like compensation, like monetary compensation from it too. And they're like, no, like you're not a part of this band. Like you're just his psychologist. (laughs) And so they fired him. Um, But then of course, without his psychologist, Brian kind of lost it again. Um, Him and his wife divorced. He stopped bathing. He started using a ton of drugs. Um, He like became like 300 pounds and his brothers were pretty much like, if you want to stay in the band, you need to go back to your psychologist. So he did, he helped him get off drugs, helped him lose weight, but, and I don't, okay. I want to preface this too, with, I don't think that Eugene, well, I don't know if Eugene was doing this to be malicious or like strategic at all, or if this is just what happened. Um, but pretty much like once he was working with Eugene again and like he helped him, you know, get off drugs, lose weight, all that stuff. He ended up being like pretty overly medicated and still was like going to studio sessions and all that. But Landy ended up claiming a lot of like co-writing credits and making a lot of like their business decisions again. And so I don't know if that was like, he was overly medicating him so he could co-write and help with all that or, you know, I have mm-hmm. no idea, mm, interesting. but it just, he did take a part in that. So it was very interesting. And then, um, pretty much, I mean, they kept writing, they kept being a band, like it, they never officially broke up or anything like that. Um, but nothing really became much of a success again until 1988 when Kokomo was written. And that was like a top hit. Brian didn't have too much of a spot in that one. Um, but they're that same year, they were inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame. Um, and then Carl ended up dying of lung cancer that year as well. Um, and in the nineties, Brian was able to get away from Landy. He married a second wife and he also kind of got back into like performing and being on stage. And so things were kind of looking up for, for Brian a little bit. And so then there was kind of just like a blip in the research for a couple years, I guess, not really like blip, but I think there just wasn't a whole lot happening. I think it was a lot of this going on. They probably released some albums, like I'm not sure, but mainly in 2012, then they kind of wanted to reunite and like get things back together. And they did it at the Grammy Awards. So there was the remaining ones were Brian, Love, Jardine, and then, um, Johnston and David Marks, which were kind of like people who had filtered in throughout the years. Um, and David Marks was a guitarist from some of their early albums. And so they all reunited to perform at the Grammy Awards. And then there was like kind of a piece where like love, because early on he kind of took control a little bit. But then at one point he was like, I'm going to take the Beach Boys name, like, you know, kind of controlled who was going to show up for like reunite or reunions and stuff. And they were like, why can't we just get like the original band together, you know, like those who were left. So I don't know. It was just interesting. There was, it never seemed like there was enough drama to be like, break them apart, but there was a lot of tragedy. And so I just found all that kind of very interesting, but their music was felt like it was constantly changing. I thought found that was really interesting too. In the research, it was always talking about like the vibe, the music gave off, like constantly finding new ways to like make their music notable, like staying relevant and popular without necessarily going to what was just popular at the time. And they just like within that surfer stereotype, they kind of altered their music a lot. So I think that that's probably why they stayed so relevant and popular is because they were making themselves that way. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like run of the mill stuff. And so I agree with you where it is very like, summary and fun and a good time. And I thought it was very interesting. So I had to look up stuff with the full house references because I was like, I saw something recently where John Stamos performed with them, like within the last year. And I was like, are they still like hanging out? Like what's going on? And so he did. And pretty much the story with how they met was that John Stamos went to a concert when he, I think before full house, like when he was on general hospital 
And so he was known for being on general hospital and he was at the concert, just being a normal concert goer. And then like went to the bathroom and all these fans were like, Oh my God. And he got so scared that he was like running away and just like ran into a random room. And it turned out to be their backstage like area. And so he just like ran into the room and it was with the band and he was just trying to hide. And so then people were like, who is this guy? And they're like, it's John Stamos, like from general hospital. And so then one of the guys, I guess they just started talking. And one of the band members was like, invite him on stage. And so he did. And he got to play like a guitar solo and like all this stuff. And he just got invited that night. And so it was kind of crazy. Wow. And so he, became, yeah, it was really cool. And so then of course they made a couple debuts on full house with John Stamos and like being a part of his Jesse and the Rippers band. And, um, they sang Kokomo and it was just, that's a fun one to watch of them all being on stage and everything. But, um, but yeah, no, I think, um, one of my favorites too, in terms of songs, I think with this one, I do just love like the viral classics, like, wouldn't it be nice? And like Kokomo and, uh, Barbara Ann, like just great ones that you can just sing along with. And like, have you ever seen 51st States? Uh, yeah. yeah. Adam Sandler and Drew yeah. Barrymore. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that. That I was thinking about it. I'm like, I think that's like one of my favorite songs. The wouldn't it be nice? Cause it's just happy go lucky. Mm-hmm. Great song. Yeah. But in that movie, she like, is it awful, awful singer. And she just sings that all the time. <laughs> and so it's just kind of funny. It made me think of that, but but yeah, I mean, they, let's see here. I don't really have any super fun facts, but have some quotes and both from Brian and love. Um, Brian said, the music is about love, not, not his cousin. Um, he said, the music is about love. Love is the message I want to share. I hope people feel the love in my music. That makes the hard work worth it. And then love said, the main thing about the Beach Boys performances is the positivity and the multiple generations enjoying our show together. That's one of the greatest things I can think of about what we do and I've been doing for decades. So it kind of fits with like the vibe that we feel, which mm-hmm. I think is a good yeah. sign of a good band, you know, and the fact that they're still like doing things together nowadays. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. They're still around. I saw them in the 90s. Oh, did you? Yeah, well, your mom and I. down here yeah you know and it was all through the classics you know i mean it was the whole thing i think i think it took them a long time i remember we had to wait like an hour later i don't know what was going on Mm -hmm. um, behind the stage (laughs) something and uh it took like an hour and they were like kind of like oh they had a warm-up guy that got to warm up a little bit more than he planned (laughs) then um you know we were just i don't know they just they're coming out soon and half an hour later you're like what is going on and i don't know oh if someone's gosh. sick or argument or who knows right. but something was uh, up behind the stage but <laughs> yeah yeah it was interesting because you know in the 70s i had one song i can't remember what it was but there was like one song one hit song i think that i remember hearing on the radio a new song by the beach boys and it was just kind of on there for a while and whimpered away and mm-hmm. it wasn't till you know they went from the 60s just massive hits just one after another and almost silent in the 70s and then late 80s they had one hit you know and yeah really that concentrated era in the 60s where they were just smashing it out of the ballpark yeah yeah and, that's uh, a lot they're high demand for that you know and still is yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, it's very specific to that, like surfing type culture. And like, if I was a part of that, I'd probably want to listen to them too. So yeah, yeah, it fit. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you had a good time with that. That's good. Just for your, just uh, growing up in the world and <laughs> that's what <laughs> I've historical always reference. To. Yeah. I was always kind of hoping you would give me them. Yeah. So I'm glad you did. Yeah. So what are you giving me next week? Or next this time. This has been <laughs> tough because I did not prepare and did not think of anything. And I feel like next time I want to give you someone a little different. I don't know who, but I need to put more thought into it. But at the moment, 
I have one that I think I'll give you two, two good people in a row. I think you'll actually really like this band. Um, and this isn't a throwaway. I know I didn't preface it very well, but this isn't like a throwaway option. I really like this band. Um, they're called jungle. No, I have never heard of them. Mm -hmm. So I would say you're going to really like this band. Um, I think it might be another type of Leon Bridges week where easy listening, but also not a ton of history. I don't think they, they might only have one album out, um, if not two, but I would highly recommend watch the music videos there. You will really, I think you'll just like a lot of things about this band. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Who do I have? Okay. I've been debating between two of them. And so, yeah. Wow. I think I will go with maybe a little one that's a little bit more popular than the one I was doing for the, the broad audience out there. Okay. okay. And I'm going to give you a nineties, two thousands person this time. Um, Cheryl Crow. Oh, you do love Cheryl Crow. So I'm going to give you her a lot. So, yeah. And I know you, she has, has some crossover with country. So yeah. Oh, I like her music. I'm excited. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. I have another one in mind to a band, but uh, I felt like this would maybe complement what you have in the sense that I can't explain exactly, but <laughs> we'll find out. Makes a better, better choice. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Jungle and Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Mm. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad we were able to record and yeah, hope everyone enjoys. Happy holiday season, and we'll be back in 2022. That's right. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> All, All right. right. Cool. We'll catch you later.